friends, you're listening to Make Out Already, a romance novel podcast. This episode, Liz and I invited our friend Molly, Netflix YA rom-com specialist, to discuss To All the Boys 3, Always and Forever. You might recognize Molly from our episode on the show, Never Have I Ever. We had such a blast last time, we wanted her back for this truly chaotic episode where we discussed the end of the trilogy, relive Promposal's past, and engage in some divination for the future of Lara Jean and Peter. Spoilers ahead as we discuss Always and Forever. Hi, Meg. Hi, Molly. Hey, Liz. Hi. <laughs> We're welcoming Molly for... back. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> very excited to be back very excited to talk about my favorite topic of teenagers on Netflix <laughs> <laughs> so last time we had you on it was for never have I ever right yes I was re-listening last night and that was such a good episode it has I'm a so great title season <laughs> horny on main <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and that had to be explained to me what that meant and me too <laughs> oh god I spend too much time on Twitter is the only reason I had any concept of <laughs> what the, the youths mean by that. Before we started, we were talking about how um, Gen Z has worn Molly down. <laughs> so they, Mo- they Mo- Molly is um, more up on the trends. Yes. I draw the line at middle parting, but they have broken my spirit in a way that I bought um, wider leg pants but I do not have the jawline or bone structure for a middle part. So I (laughs) regret to inform Jim Z that I can't fully buy in, but I'm trying my best. I've just decided that I'm a point in my life where I cannot take fashion advice or rules or dictates from anyone because I'm, I just like always do whatever the fuck I want. And I, I can't, (laughs) I can't do otherwise. Like I'm gonna, like everything I do is going to be wrong to someone. So keep hoping one day I'm gonna reach a point where I don't like fear teenagers but like I did when I was a small child I feared other feared other teenagers when Mm -hmm. I was a teenager and now as an adult I still think they're really scary so if they want me to wear flared jeans I'm gonna put on a pair of flared jeans so have you (laughs) 30 rock yes okay so I think of Liz Lemon when she's like youths and she runs away yes that is my reaction to like any like crowd of them in a mall or like walking down the street I have this feeling that they're gonna be mean to me and hurt my feelings somehow <laughs> because they're so capable of it like why do I give them that power <laughs> I think it's more like between 10 and 13 that I'm afraid of why is that they are the most honest yeah and they're also like the least I don't know I feel like I would have more in common with a high school senior than I would a middle schooler for obvious reasons, just a closer (laughs) age gap. But I feel like we'd be into the same things culturally. And Mm. I I don't think that I could vibe with someone who would see like a high school senior as an old. So this, that statement you just made reminded me of when we first met and you made some kind of (laughs) oblique reference to Mean Girls. And I was like, you're like, on Wednesdays, do we wear pink? Or you said something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I was like, was that a Mean Girls reference? And you're like, just making sure we have the same cultural touchstones. Which was like, that was such a broad one. Like, I maybe should have picked something more specific because it, you'd be hard pressed to find someone for whom Mean Girls wasn't 
a cultural that spans generations mm-hmm. that yeah. <laughs> mean girls is for us all Timeless. yeah so <laughs> So I'm not sure what I would have picked, but it clearly didn't turn you off enough to not be my friend. <laughs> it was just funny. I've never been tested for mutual cultural touchstones before. <laughs> That's kind of my brand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay. I know we're talking about youths and that just, I'm just going to segue right into talking about this movie and tell you that it made me feel really, really fucking old. did you feel that way I did I also felt like I felt really shitty because my high school experience well I don't think anyone's high school experiences is you know color coordinated and sweet and cute and charming (laughs) as Laura Jean's clear skinned braceless teeth (laughs) no poofy necklaces (laughs) that kitchen Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I I don't even know where do we want to start do we want to just start with a recap we should start with a recap I'm I'm doing that thing where since I just watched it I'm a little lost so to recap um former fake couple turned real couple Peter Kavinsky and Laura Jean Laura Jean song Covey are in their senior year they're all loved up they're super cute and disgusting they both have plans to go to Stanford Peter is going for a lacrosse scholarship and Laura Jean bro (laughs) yeah and Laura Jean is hoping that she gets in she does not which throws all their plans into chaos because they had hoped that she had dreamed that they would go to college together they'd go to football games together eventually they'd move in together get married have a baby she'd become a best-selling romance writer and be signing books with peter standing supportively behind her and that is no longer going to happen so she gets into uc berkeley and decides after a class trip to NYU that or to New York where she goes to a party at NYU that that's where she actually wants to go so instead of being an hour away from Peter and slightly altering their plan she's completely throwing their whole future into upheaval uh in the movie we also see a trip to South Korea Mm -hmm. uh and we see Kitty have her first little boyfriend and navigate that and day and we see daddy dan get married daddy trina daddy we see daddy marry trina who is their neighbor who kitty was scheming to hook him up with last movie her scheming worked they get married it's very beautiful uh they laura jean and peter have a lot of struggles throughout the movie because of the adage that couples who are still together when they go off to separate colleges can't make it that long distance relationships don't work mm-hmm. but the movie ends with them feeling like if anyone can make it it's going to be the two of them nicely done <laughs> any, that helps me remember a lot of it <laughs> any initial <laughs> thoughts about the movie overall after let's really quickly talk about how in the first movie everyone loved peter kavinsky and in the second movie everyone's like you should have picked John Ambrose McLaren (laughs) yeah that was a major fuck up I feel like they really tried to rehab Peter's image in this third movie like we all kind of like felt sort of like skeevy about him in the second one 
And then this time it was just like, he'll do a Korean face mask with you and he'll wear little character socks and he'll like, like buy you Stanford pancakes. And I don't know. I just feel like he's done like a real 180. Yeah. Which I think in some moments, like kind of just annoyed me. And then in other moments did kind of like endear me to him a little bit. I don't know if this is jumping ahead, but like when, um, they're in New York and, um, they're at that little bakery and she tells him that she actually didn't get into Stanford mm-hmm. and they kind of like tee it up that you think maybe he's going to react really poorly. Cause he lied. And then his response is just like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And it's like, Very I don't know immature. if Peter of the second movie would have done that, but right. I like this kind of like growth from him here in like a way that wasn't just like, Oh, he's like, I don't know, buying you cupcakes or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do too much of the book versus movie thing because it's been a while since I read the books anyway, but I felt that Peter in the books was always kind of a fuck boy compared to Peter in the movies. And Mm -hmm. book three was the first time that I felt like we got Peter from the first movie where he was just like very cute, very supportive and a good guy. Um, The conflicts of them having to go to far off schools that was all the same but there were some additional conflicts thrown in with peter's mom telling laura jean that they needed to break up because she oh. was worried that peter was going to throw his whole life away to try to like follow laura jean to a different school or i think i think that's how it worked out and last thing i will say in the book, she ends up going to the, the college that she falls in love with is not NYU. They change where the movie takes place compared to the books. And she ends up going to the same college that John Ambrose McLaren is going to. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, so, that's interesting. And it doesn't at all suggest that they're going to be together. But if you wanted to write that alternate universe fan fiction, you totally could yes. because she gave you, Jenny Han gave you that opportunity. <laughs> I just feel very strongly that Peter is not Lara Jean's intellectual equal. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think he literally says when she says she didn't get into Stanford, he's like, that's crazy. You're so much smarter than I am. And she was like, yeah. And then I watching him like, yeah, you're like, he's not like, he's much dumber (laughs) than you are. And it makes no sense that he got into college and you didn't, even if it is for like lax bro reasons or whatever. Lax bro. Oh my gosh. I I didn't apply to that many colleges. So like, to me, I don't really understand how she could get into a school like NYU and and Berkeley, but not be accepted into Stanford. Also, the idea of her kind of like fallback school being NYU was insane to me. Like there was Uh, no safety schools. I'm applying to Berkeley, Stanford and like, whatever, also NYU. that's very much a movie thing like in book smart where they all got into fucking harvard and yale like (laughs) that doesn't happen most people go to state schools i think also gilmore girls i think where gilmore's safety school was like dartmouth or princeton or something yeah it's still incredibly hard to get into that just had ridiculously high expectations i did like that in the book it was more like william and mary college and it was more like Mm. that makes more sense to me too because something that I think like really kind of took me out of the whole like oh is she gonna choose NYU or not I felt like I like couldn't get that invested in it because I just didn't buy that Laura Jean would really like New York that much like it just seems so off-brand for her and I know they kind of tried to sell it with like 
well she went to Korea and that like expanded her horizons and she mm-hmm. liked this big city but like I just still don't think that she would really like New York based on everything else we know about her personality that's a very good point point. and she's like the scene where she's on she like first gets there and her and Chris are riding the subway and she sees like a guy playing the saxophone and was like so like enchanted by it and all I could oh, think was, my like, nightmare well, I was like you like this now but then you're gonna move here and like some guy's gonna be like peeing or masturbating like six inches away from you <laughs> and it's not gonna be so fun anymore <laughs> like you then you like aren't gonna be as excited and I think Laura Jean just wouldn't have the tolerance for that I think I Laura Jean just thing. has never been to a party like a fun yeah. party. Yes. I think she went to a fun party that wasn't in some like rich bro's house with like a keg there with a keg <laughs> and she's like oh this is fun like in real life you would like not be psyched about having to break into someone's apartment steal a couch and get it onto the subway tell your friend you tell your friend fuck you fuck you very much for making me do this yeah and that would not be I would. As, that would not be so hilarious hijinks in real life trying to cram it through the subway doors and you'd be pissing people off trying to go get it through the yeah. turnstiles <laughs> and that whole subway car just happened to be empty there definitely would have been people on there they would have been mad at you yeah correct. and speaking of this movie making you feel old the oldest I felt the whole time was the whole field trip to New York. I was so frustrated. I'm like, what are these chaperones doing? What is the point? What is the structure of this trip? Where, like, why aren't any of them doing their jobs? Like all of these children are just running all over New York. And like Peter and Laura Jean weren't allowed to be in the same tour group because their last names were different. But like Laura Jean could go to an NYU party unsupervised all night long. Yeah, and there was like, no tour group leader for anyone (laughs) they were just wandering around (laughs) except that like 19 year old girl from nyu (laughs) like that she was the adult so So, would she i i think that they said she was a senior at nyu would she really be like yeah underage high schoolers come on bring all your friends come to this cool (laughs) college party with me (laughs) like Absolutely and then go commit a felony, like break and enter into <laughs> someone's apartment. Come with me, child. <laughs> child. Yeah. When I was in high school and we would go on band trips, the teachers would take scotch tape and they would put it on the outside of the doors and tape us in to our, <laughs> you know, days in hotel motel rooms. <laughs> and that way they would know if we opened our doors at any point in the night and it's like maybe you wanted to go outside to get some air you know maybe you realize (laughs) you left something on the school bus I don't know but (laughs) they they wanted to make sure that we did not leave our rooms after bedtime to go and sneak into the boys rooms did anybody just like bring their own roll of scotch tape to retape it when they were done or something? But how I feel could like you? There's a way. You couldn't. Oh, I guess you can't because you can't get your arm out. Yeah. Maybe you do like the chain lock and not the deadbolt and like kind of slip your hand out. Yeah. I don't know why I'm scheming to like help like these band children hook up, but just thinking out loud. I kind of think that the scotch tape isn't even a good indicator. It's kind of like the taping someone into a door version of like confirming whether a hymen is intact or not, because the thing could just like, I don't know why that's the first thing that I got to. Okay. That that's just the first 
that was the example that I came up with, but it could be, you know, it could be really humid outside and the tape uh-huh. just sort it of could peels fall. off on those dirty, dirty doors. It doesn't get a good seal. Because <laughs> the first the time I heard or saw anything similar to what you're talking about was in a Sean Connery, James Bond. I don't remember which one he's in a hotel room. He wants to see if somebody's like going to go through his stuff. So he takes one of his greasy ass hairs <laughs> and he puts it across his like two closet doors, his double doors to see if someone's going to open them and then the hair will be gone. <laughs> I was thinking of the hair thing too. Cause I think, um, in that 70s show, Eric's dad puts like one of his hairs over the ignition to make sure he doesn't drive the car or something while they're out of town. So there's lots, lots of methods, I guess. Very weird. Mm. I'm trying to think about exactly why the movie made me feel so old. Maybe the youthful naivety that like you could go to college and stay with your high school boyfriend, just like having that much hope for something. Is that... Yeah, I think the, More level, useful. the levels of hope and energy <laughs> yeah. are alienating to me at this time. <laughs> so I know people who are married to their high school sweethearts. And I do too, I guess, like from my hometown, but I don't think that any of them moved like 3,000 miles away from each other and like stayed through college in like pretty metropolitan exciting areas. Like it's all people who like stayed in my small hometown mm. and- which no shade on that or whatever, but I just, I think it's probably a little extra difficulty when you add in long distance. Yeah. I think the furthest distance was a three hour drive between people, not a 3000 mile flight. Mm -hmm. So feels more manageable. (laughs) So I've got a question Mm -hmm. for you too. Do you want them to stay together? No. (laughs) What? I do. <laughs> Me and Molly are like, love is dead. <laughs> yeah. I do, but I do want them to uh, hook up with other people. Yes. Yes, I do. Mm, yeah. Experience more of the world. Yeah. Maybe they could do like a cool, like open kind of thing for a little bit. I guess there's a world in which they can't hook up with other people and still end up together. Okay. Now I'm remembering why I felt so old. All the prom stuff. <laughs> That really made me feel super duper old. The promposals. <laughs> that was not really like such a thing for my age range. Was it for you? Yeah. Really? Kind of. Okay. So I came of age during the time of Laguna Beach. Okay. And they had promposals on that show. So I feel like that was the genesis of the promposal. I actually had kind of a promposal that I did and I got that you did yeah (gasps) oh no (laughs) oh my was it public (laughs) no it wasn't public okay because like I know uh, you have like public grand gestures in these books and I wondered if it was like trauma (laughs) from you doing this and getting turned down let me see if I can figure out um I'll link in the show notes if I find okay yeah (laughs) I don't know if we could, it, you guys keep talking. I'm going to try to do a thing. And I don't know Did if we're going to have to get asked to a dance with a weird, like, promposal type thing. It was like, he gave me a container, <laughs> a container that had all these fish stickers on it. <laughs> and it was full of Swedish fish. And it said, out of all the fish in the sea, will you go to the dance with me? And I was like, okay. <laughs> Did you that go? Counts, though. That counts as a promposal, I think. Actually, okay. 
No, I didn't go with him. Oh, oh but I did. Brutal. Did you keep the eat Swedish the candy? Fish? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> okay. I don't know if this will come through on Zoom. Tell me if you've heard this song. Can you hear that? No. Can you nope. hear anything? Okay. okay, so it's basically this. It's called Jesse by Nothing Go to Prom Anyways by Hello Goodbye. Hello Goodbye. I am oh very God. familiar with Hello Goodbye. I don't know that song in particular, but <laughs> I get the gist. <laughs> Just yeah. hearing Hello Goodbye. Uh, so it's a very silly song, and I put it on a CD, and I put it under my boyfriend at the time windshield wiper in the parking lot and no and I I left the CD there and he obviously found it played it and uh was like this is a good time to get around to breaking up with her (gasps) that's so brutal (laughs) okay but no. no 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 it's okay it, it was it was rough we had a lot of mutual friends it was a really like short-lived relationship but i have these fucking gnats um he uh is a piece of shit no yes <laughs> actually so we and we should probably track him down <laughs> I, I, I know where he is i know where he is. <laughs> it's a good idea to keep tabs on these kind of people <laughs> so Funnily enough, the summer after freshman year of college, we started hanging out again. Oh, no. And kind of dating, but didn't do anything. But, and and then, like, we stayed in touch on and off over the years. And once he was in town, when I was in college, and at the time, I was dating the man I went on to marry. So it was very much a platonic, like, I'm catching up with my ex-boyfriend thing. And I think it was then. (laughs) I don't. I don't know if it was then or if it was the summer after freshman year that he came clean and told me that there was another girl in the picture in high school, and that's why he broke up with me. Wow! Wow! Yeah, (laughs) shittier now. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was possible, but he did it. Yeah. Yeah. Not great. I will say I very admire your bravery for promposing yourself. That's very bold and. I don't yeah. think seventeen-year-old me could have done it. So thank you. I always made you. the first move on guys. <laughs> <laughs> always, like they never made the first move on me. Take that to mean what you will. <laughs> thank you for sharing your trauma. With us. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. It, it is a part of who I am. <laughs> I the closest this- I ever got to a promposal was. Um, they were definitely a thing at my high school. I don't think the production value was quite as high as it was in to all the boys I loved before, but people were like doing it for sure. And I had a- already previously agreed that I was going to go to prom with my like dear friend who's so much fun and like very platonic and he just happens to be gay. So it was very low pressure, but we were at a Mexican restaurant together and he was like, oh shit, was I supposed to like prom pose or something? I was like, no, that feels like excessive or whatever. And he's like, here, I'll just do something real quick. And he wrote um, the word prom on my cheese quesadilla in salsa. And that, that was my promposal from my good friend, Brad. So we had a very good time. That's very nice. I did go to my senior prom with another shitty boyfriend. So <laughs> junior why? prom, I didn't get to go. So you didn't go at all? To junior prom? I don't think so. Is this the one that you got turned down for? Yeah, I don't think that I went. 
Oh, maybe I did. I don't know. I think that I think that I got asked after I got rejected by someone else. Okay. All right. Because I moved I moved pretty quickly. <laughs> but I turned him down because he was a really bad kisser. <laughs> That's a fair reason. You can't so waste your I whole just, night with that. So I don't think I went to my junior prom. Oh. It was the only appeal to me, honestly. It was all I was in it completely just for picking out a fun dress. I was fully just only interested in that aspect of it. And that made it worth it to me, which speaking of loved Laura Jean's dress was confused by um, Chris's gloves. I didn't know how to feel about her choice of wearing. Like, <laughs> I love them. Gloves. <laughs> I love them. I love the excess of them. And I love the idea of like, I, I need to keep my hands off of this prom nonsense <laughs> as much as possible. I will not allow it to touch me. When you describe it like that, actually, I'm much more on board with them. And it was just like, I'm too above this. I literally can't even touch this man who insisted I go with him via Subway sandwich. I'm keeping oh on my, <laughs> my elbow length gloves. Okay. So we've gone all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to talk about what we loved about the movie? Yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's see. What did I love? <laughs> I loved all of the stuff with Laura Jean's dad and Trina. I think honestly that was maybe my favorite part. Me too. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, that's the movie that I want to watch. Like mm-hmm. that movie would not make me feel as old. And I feel <laughs> that I have more in common with Aiden. I mean uh, Yes, it's Aiden. And also I was I Googled I rewatched it today and I then ended up Googling the actor that plays uh, Dr. Covey slash Aiden. And I it occurred to me that he's also um, the love interest in my big fat Greek wedding, which is love one of my him. favorite rom-coms. And he's so great in that too. Oh, Just like what a charming guy. He's amazing. Yeah. So. I hope he's not charming in real life because I've noticed a pattern of people who tend to play villains. Like I heard someone talking about, oh gosh, but someone on a podcast was talking about Victor Garber and how Victor Garber always, always plays straight shit bags. And he's like the nicest man and very, very gay. Is he a shitbag in Brandy Cinderella? Oh, I don't think so. I remember he was in one of the adaptations of Annie. He played Warbucks, I think. He wasn't a shitbag in Legends of Tomorrow either, but he was very stern and professorial. So your type. Very much my type. (laughs) stern brunch daddy stern brunch daddy um i also loved dan and trina and i love their wedding and this movie was really pretty and i mm-hmm. know cinematography a lot more in this one like the color palette felt very cohesive and i like the framing of some scenes like one that stood out was when chrissy and laura jean were getting ready for the prom and they were having a conversation in the mirror behind them and yes mm-hmm. and you can see chrissy in a rectangular small mirror and laura jean in a round mirror and it just looks so interesting visually so I really love that about it. I noticed that scene specifically too. And I noticed that there was a lot more like stylized kind of elements. Like when um, they flew from Korea and they had kind Mm -hmm. of the like animated map and then they had all Mm -hmm. the title cards in between like the prom, the wedding, 
And um, I think they kind of did some like little illustrative stuff with New York City. And then they like mimicked the kind of illustrated cafe that they were in in South Korea. Then in like a shot of Laura Jean's house, they kind of did the line drawing thing. I thought it was an interesting choice to like add all that in when it hasn't really been in the past two movies. I like that too. I think that that is reminiscent of the book covers. Oh, Oh, that would make sense. Anything else that we love before we get into grievances? Obviously, (laughs) I love the baking. We love to see it. I did. So I watched this twice. I watched it like right when it first came out and then I watched it again today. And the first time I was like, man, just everyone is constantly eating a cupcake in this movie. (laughs) And so when I watched it today, I kept a baked goods like tracker of like how many times someone was eating a cookie or a cupcake or there was like a baked good nearby. And I landed it 14 times. Someone is either like holding a cupcake, making a cupcake, eating a cupcake which awesome. I appreciate. <laughs> I appreciated that, but never would believe for a second that Peter was like, oh yeah, we should go to Tartine Bakery when we're at Stanford together. <laughs> like, you know about Tartine Bakery? Yeah, fucking right. <laughs> but it is like- A man's can Google. Yeah. <laughs> he could maybe figure it out. We already <laughs> know that he is not on the same intellectual level as Origin, so he has to compensate. <laughs> he does I seem was, to be like really working to like maybe be interested in like her interests or whatever yeah. which I guess is nice like when she's in Korea and she FaceTimes him and she's talking about feeling like she doesn't quite fit in there and she like wishes her mom was there to teach her about it and he's like well we could both take Korean classes together at Stanford and like learn the language which I thought was kind of a sweet moment sweet. he had a couple little things like that that seemed like he was really like trying to be invested in the things that she liked and wanted I think he realized he needed to up his game after John yeah. McLaren and his Damn piano playing skills and how correct. good he looks in a tux. <laughs> I think I'm letting my impressions of Noah Centineo, the person, color my feelings about Peter. <laughs> I had some of that too. It's like hard to kind of separate it. And I think like, what you mean? Tell He's... me more. <laughs> I just think, no. Oh no, I won't. I'm gonna, that would be too mean to like trash a real human being. (laughs) I just not, I do think, I think he said some like kind of like weird off color stuff, nothing like crazy that it's like, oh, fuck this guy, but just kind (laughs) of like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. He just seems like he might be a little bit of a weirdo. Uh, He's like the definition of a soft boy Mm -hmm. for me, like where he uses his romantic lead clout to try to make himself aggrandize himself maybe yeah like like he's I've read a couple of interviews with him in which it feels like he's trying to play a rom-com lead with the interviewer but then like that doesn't jive with his like unfiltered social media presence where he's a dude bro (laughs) he's such a dude bro I so he has a TikTok account and on my for you page the other day uh, a trend on TikTok is acting challenges where the person making the video will say lines and show lines on screen for someone to do it and respond. And he was doing one where he was p- very much playing this like soft character and it ended up being a Taco Bell commercial. <laughs> I was telling Molly, I feel like this is our like least structured episode. We've done yeah. So well. <laughs> it's, a, it's my bad if I'm contributing to chaos. 
here. No, I think it's fully, I- I'm just going to take the blame for it. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's truly all of us. I am incredibly, incredibly distracted. And like I said, can't remember the movies. So. What's distracting you? Uh, maybe is it's it just like, is it I stuff? wasn't, um, I was distracted while I was watching the movie. Yeah. Like I don't. I had a hard time paying attention to it. It's long. It's like two hours long. A lot happens. And I feel like two hours is long for like a, like Netflix teen rom- rom-com. Yeah. Yeah. I think I got like a little bored. Yeah, I did too. So I p- would pause it and like go off and do other things. And I would, I think that's part of my memory retention <laughs> issue of the plot. So I, I think that's it. I don't have like super defined feelings or opinions about it. So that's probably part of the distraction. But we did talk about things we liked. And so now we can move on to what we've already been doing, which is complaining about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Molly, do you have any immediate grievances to address? I think I already went over my major one, which was the chaperone issue. Like it really distracted <laughs> me. I was like, what is the purpose of this field trip? Is it supposed to be educational? I agreed with Chrissy. I didn't understand why they just like took them to H&M and there were no adults around. And mm-hmm. then they went to like a weird college rooftop bar. I don't know. So I think that was my number one. Did you guys have complete? a senior trip? I did not sanctioned through the school, but like groups of kids organized oh. trips after graduation. I went to Myrtle beach with like 12 other people and it was debauchery and disgusting. And I honestly can't believe my parents let me go. It was really a time. <laughs> there was a senior trip organized to go to Italy and Greece but I couldn't mm. go because I was poor and it was too expensive. But I did know several people who went on that trip. And was it was very much like drinking with the chaperones kind of thing. So they so they were supervised. They were supervised <laughs> for a lot of it. But they were drinking with okay. okay. All right. Because it was it was legal. <laughs> it's 18 there, whatever. Yeah. The <sighs> the contrast of like going to Italy or going to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina <laughs> is so extreme but I guess the point either way was for just like 18 year olds to get hammered and I'm sure everyone succeeded so (laughs) (laughs) all right Liz do you have any glaring grievances um aside from the trauma that it brings up thinking about my own high school experiences (laughs) um (laughs) let's see so hearing you guys talk I am realizing that we didn't get a lot of Peter of what Laura Jean was doing for Peter maybe it was because Hmm. we did a lot of that in the first two movies and we have established that Laura Jean is a very attentive partner but it felt like it was all like Peter like love bombing her Hmm. and being obsessed with like what can I do for Laura Jean what can I do for Laura Jean what is she like what do we want to do together which in itself is a kind of uh stressful thing for Mm -hmm. me just because of women I know who have been love bombed with these incredibly romantic gestures and then like dropped by a guy and it it makes you think like is he trying to make himself feel something that he doesn't and I don't think that that's the case with Peter Mm -hmm. or how it was meant to be portrayed but it personally brings up some concerns to me because it feels too 
you know like in beach read um Uh when we read that and we talked about how uh the main character's ex-boyfriend they just like all their moments were like lovely romantic moments and picturesque ones and it doesn't seem yeah. like lauren jean and peter ever have moments that they're just like sitting on the couch together both looking at their phones yeah it, and i was thinking to as a rebuttal to your point i was <laughs> thinking that you know she plans things like extravagant dates and the, the hat box with all of oh, the yeah, memories. Yeah. She does these big grand gestures too, but you're right. It's all just like they do these these contrived sort of super mm-hmm. sweet moments for each other. But I mean, I guess I'm thinking of when they fall asleep watching a movie on her laptop. Like that's a little bit more casual, but I feel like normally we don't see them doing just regular old stuff together. Mm-hmm. It's all the big romantic moments. Yeah. I think something you're saying, like, what in this movie is Laura Jean doing for Peter that reminded me of something actually I didn't love. And I, not because, not for any specific reason, I was just kind of bored by this plot. But the whole thing with Peter's dad, she kind of like Mm. inspires him, I think, to kind of reconnect to him a little bit. So that's something, you know, they had gone on their big romantic date to the bowling alley with their little matching color coordinated shirts and whatever but on the way home they kind of have that just very like sincere conversation about his relationship to his dad and I think she kind of like nudges him to maybe see if there's a way to repair it and stuff so I think that's something that's maybe a little more natural and not so Mm -hmm. over the top and is a good example of like a healthy part of their relationship but that being said I was really bored by the Peter and his dad (laughs) plot stuff and I just really didn't care about it Peter and his dad was a major grievance for me because yeah. I really wanted them to do the stunt casting and bring in Mark Ruffalo. I really wanted them to do the fan service <laughs> and make that happen because people have been lobbying for it since the first movie. And really, I, yes. And I wish that that had happened because are, are you not aware of like people saying when the first one came out that he looked just like a young Mark Ruffalo I can see that I yeah. was not aware that that was yeah yeah that was that, a thing I think. I think Mark Ruffalo was even asked about it on a talk show <laughs> I love Mark Ruffalo I yeah. do too so and and he seems like a divorced dad to me you know <laughs> like he's got that kind of like gritty like I I'm a family man but I have secrets thing <laughs> Peter's dad in this movie just seems like a dorky sensitive guy I, I don't know. I don't know. He didn't strike me so much as like the dude who would abandon his family and you'd still feel sympathy for him. And I feel like Mark Ruffalo could play that, but I don't know. I, I just really want to see Mark Ruffalo. The Peter's dad was fine. He was fine. That was a very touching <laughs> moment. I just wanted it to be Mark Ruffalo. And yeah, then like it was I, touching, but like that's a huge deal. Okay. Like mm-hmm. you have an estranged parent that's trying to re-enter your life. And there was really not that much screen time devoted to it. Mm-hmm. And so it felt a little rushed or a little, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's like when I say, like, I don't care. Like I, that is like, you know, really interesting plot point. And I'm sure it's something like people can relate to and, mm-hmm. but maybe it was just cause there was like so little screen time devoted to it. That it was, was a little like, underdeveloped. He showed, yeah. Like he showed up and at the bowling alley and it was like oh there's my dad that I hate and then like a couple scenes later they'd like kind of smoothed it over and I I just wasn't like invested in it I I guess I think what I liked about the whole thing was that um Peter 
I, I knew Peter was going to order something and stay at the diner and have a conversation with him. And my first thought was he's going to like order pancakes and they're going to have like this long conversation over pancakes. They're going to sit and stay a while. Peter just orders coffee. Mm-hmm. And that to me felt like realistic, like, okay, I'm going to have coffee with you. This is the extent of the conversation we're going to have mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. And that is not all as that intimate. I can give you right now. We're not going to fix everything in this one sit down yeah yeah so I think that's why I was okay with it because I believe that it's not like they resolved everything that this was just a start and I liked that his dad was like I messed up Mm -hmm. I didn't do what I was supposed to do yeah because he he talked about it wasn't you that I was leaving Mm -hmm. which is fair like you know marriages end and but he didn't he didn't make enough of an effort to stay in his son's life I felt like that was some pretty decent acting from Noah mm-hmm. Centineo. I was like, oh, okay. I feel a little something here. I don't know what it was about his acting in that scene or something about the way he was like holding his face. He really reminded me of um, Milo Ventimiglia, who's <gasps> just in Gilmore Girls and then he's in This Love! Is Us. Something about him. I was like, this is giving me like Milo vibes. And I, I don't know exactly what it was, but I, I did like kind of clock it like oh he's like do, I think he's like trying to do some acting here and I, I did sort of like it <laughs> Milo could have played that dad character yeah he could have bodied yeah. that mm-hmm. yes I'm here for like all of the dad characters <laughs> yeah <laughs> that that's why you feel old is old like that's it that's it <laughs> <laughs> that is why we've oh, cracked God. it when you're attracted <laughs> to the dads more than <laughs> the I teenage presenting I, love interest yeah, I feel <laughs> that I have more in common with the parents the parents in these yeah I think that I wish is. I had more in common with the parents that house oh. oh it's beautiful I have a huge backyard like a huge backyard and it I wouldn't be able to throw a wedding like that in there it was like Hermione's purse the tint budget they must yeah. have had. I said that exact thing when I was watching it. I was like this looks like in Harry Potter when they go in the tiny tent at and like the Quidditch tournament it's big and like yeah yeah and like those two velvet couches they had just framing either side of them during their vows I was like mm-hmm. those cost I would like save up for months and months to buy one for my actual apartment and these are disposable velvet couches for their <laughs> wedding I just like decor yeah it was beautiful and expensive mm-hmm. <laughs> all right if we don't have do we have other grievances or I mean, should we move I on have... to talking about why Peter is the worst half? <laughs> <laughs> My only grievance is held over from the second movie, which is justice for John Ambrose. He should have been the one. He's way cuter, way more on her level, just so like charming and talented and adorable. <laughs> wasn't as sold on John Ambrose I would have rather her honestly picked neither of them he was fine he was nice he was like cute little like AP lit guy which is cool but <laughs> like if you're gonna move to New York and do NYU like and you're all like you want to have all these experiences and stuff like maybe you gotta do that single I don't know <laughs> yeah I think that would have been my it wouldn't have been a romance but it would have been my preferred ending kind of for her to just I will say I rewatched like all three of these, like right around Valentine's Day, right before this came out. And I noticed that in the first movie, John Ambrose shows up at the very end because he got his letter. It was like a little cliffhanger. And they clearly didn't know that like they were going to 
you know, these were going to be a success and they were going to make the rest of the movies. So like the guy that shows up as John Ambrose, the end of the first movie is not the guy who is in mm-hmm. the second. And they were clearly like, we have to cast somebody much hunkier because like the guy who shows up in the first one is just like a dude. And then like John Ambrose comes back in the second movie and it's like, okay, like we get it now. We get why she fell in love at model UN. <laughs> I, I love John Ambrose McLaren in the second movie so much and I, I said I wasn't going to do too much book stuff but it I loved in the book their relationship because they had different setups like he picked her up in this like fancy car to take her to that ball at the nursing home and he was dressed like very like retro military and she had <laughs> victory rolls in her hair and it, it was super cute and he was stormy's grandson in the books mm-hmm. which wasn't a thing that largy knew right away but found out later so he comes back in book three and we didn't see him at all in movie three right not even like a name drop like did not mention him even once in this third movie which i thought was kind of odd like her and Chris not having a conversation maybe about like oh I wonder what Johnny Ambrose is up to I don't know it just seemed odd that it was none of those events were acknowledged in any way we were just like full-on Peter is the dream boyfriend now and like that's how it is but he's also the worst half (laughs) tell me why that's the consensus like we all can agree on that right I actually don't have strong feelings about it yeah, I feel like he had some growth. If he would have like stayed on his directory from the trajectory from the second movie, I maybe would feel a little stronger about it. But now I'm just kind of like, he was your high school boyfriend and that's nice and you had a nice time, but maybe that's all that it needs to be. And I, I, I don't know how hard I'm rooting for them to stay together long-term, but he's, it's fine. He's fine. <laughs> I guess I just feel that there are lots of things I can complain about, about Peter and not so many I complain about, about Laura Jean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like what, what would be her like negative character trait? I um, don't have anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really know either. Anything that she had previously, like her, um, reluctance to explore, clearly she's gotten past that. Mm Mm-hmm. And is okay with getting outside of her comfort zone. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was a short discussion. Yeah. <laughs> How about your honorable sizzle? Definitely the dad and uh, Trina for sure all day long. I want to see just like maybe a follow-up brief 30 minute check-in about just their cute life with their new velvet headboard in the bedroom. And I'm mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, mm-hmm hanging out and also a detail that I noticed in rewatching all of these that I really liked in the third one that is that when Dr. Covey and Trina both meet they're outside on the street and she has her dog with her and Laura Jean and um, Kitty talk about how their dad isn't a dog person and then in this movie the dog is full-on living in their house like lounging (laughs) on the couch like full-on part of the family and I just thought it was a really sweet little detail and I liked the additional presence of the dog Henry, I think was his name. <laughs> I appreciated the dog too. <laughs> How about you, Meg? Um, I'm here for the alternate ending that you proposed via text earlier. And I'm just going <laughs> to imagine that that's what happened. So if you want to talk about that. <laughs> yes. Okay. So 
in the second movie, uh, Laura Jean and her ex-friend, her mortal enemy, Jen, they have a very touching moment where they sort of make up, come to an uneasy truce, realize that they're people who, they're always going to have this space in their hearts for each other, even if they're not actively friends and you get the sense that they're, uh, hatred of each other is at an end that they've just exhausted that mm-hmm. and in this movie they seem like they're tiptoeing toward becoming friends and then Jen is going to NYU and she seems really excited about Laura Jean going to NYU and when they have that moment where they steal the pink couch and put it on the subway and they have that cute scene where they're all sitting on the couch, mm-hmm. Jen looks at Laura Jean and that and says this to Laura Jean and then turns around and looks at her cousin, Chrissy, but it was very clear that it was directed mostly at Laura Jean. Yeah. You know, this could be us. And but just the playing. idea... <laughs> what? But you're playing. Yeah, this could be <laughs> us that you're playing. <laughs> so you could take that as, you know, we have a chance to start fresh with our friendship and we could have so much fun in this city together. Or you could be like trash for bisexual characters the way that I am and be like, (laughs) how about you two get together? And I will note that there was some bisexual lighting happening in the prom scene on Laura Jean specifically. I saw that blue and I saw that pink and purple. And I was like, you know, I'm not wrong about this. And you know, she shows up in New York and she's had a haircut to show that she has changed and that there has been growth and that time has passed. It's a new Laura Jean. So like, I don't think we can rule anything out. We she don't got, see her like, roommate. Little, like, Who's her roommate? Can you request your roommate at NYU? Can you push those twin beds together? And <laughs> Mega Jen bed. Did say, Jen did say, like, if you're going to be at NYU, like, let me know. So it's not like they could have very easily been like, we're going to pick our room together. And aside from all the bisexual lighting and energy, possible <laughs> energy, I did think there was a really nice moment of like kind of like symmetry with Jen and Laura Jean Mm -hmm. where like the first in the first movie I think the first interaction they have is Jen coming up to her and making fun of her boots Mm -hmm. and then in this movie they're standing in like the exact same spot in a hallway and she Jen comes up to Laura Jean and is like hey Laura Jean your shoes are really cute and I was like look at the growth it was just so nice and like kind of like symmetrical and also maybe she was hitting on her I don't know who's to say maybe I love this I am so here for this that's what the, this is the gay shit we needed yeah this is the gay shit that we needed and didn't get I have one vaguely like sizzle related note but it is unfortunately related to Laura Jean and Peter I just need us to address the like blurriest quickest most pg sex scene that has ever mm-hmm. been committed to film it was crazy it was like two like millisecond shots of them like rolling to the left and then rolling to the left mm-hmm. right and then it was like okay now they fucked and it was <laughs> i've just never seen it handled in such like a fast and like well i mean vague it was high and generic sex, way so <laughs> i mean that is gonna be fast time frame like that that is accurate but it was just um it was just so like blurry and like the filmed in a really jarring way I thought I also took issue oh go ahead Meg I didn't want to see it at all (laughs) yeah I could have done without it I felt very (laughs) uncomfortable I'm like I'm watching high schoolers do it (laughs) I'm and I'm old (laughs) I like this they're 
of legal age in real life. Yes, um, but it, it felt weird. And the yes. whole like, there's something romantic about losing your virginity on prom night. I'm like, oh, that's well, they, done it wasn't to prom death. night. It was after her dad's wedding, right? But the, <laughs> the which attempt- you're so horny when you watch your dad get married. <laughs> the the prom first night scene where they didn't have sex was like so much more explicit than the scene of them having sex. They were mm-hmm. showing her straight up like putting her hand in his pants and him like removing it it happened like three times and that was so much more that made me even more uncomfortable than like the blurry like flipping around on the bed it was also very choppy editing on purpose like wait did she put her hand down his pants Mm -hmm. Mm because you know you see her hand like above the pants and then you see her face (laughs) as if she like did a thing Um, thing. that's another thing that gen z hates about millennials Saying I did a thing. Yeah, saying I did a thing. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to speak ill of Gen Z. They've been through a lot. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, but I'm not going to do to them what boomers continue to do to us. Mm. All right, that's fair. I'll say the you. idea of um, <laughs> giving, doing hand stuff I guess, with somebody <laughs> and then being done and going, I did a thing is like objectively really funny. <laughs> like, <laughs> getting some guy off and then going like ending it with going I did a thing (laughs) yeah maybe we can repurpose it (laughs) so my I I did take issue with the fact that they clearly like had never like so much as like a a boob grade yeah had happened before that and it's just like I can't imagine that it was good for Laura Jean And let us rewind to movie one when they had their very steamy hot tub scene. That was oh, more yeah. erotic than what we got in this movie. Yeah, by like a lot, I would say. Yeah. yeah. I honestly have a hard time believing that they haven't done anything. And I wish that the movie hadn't suggested that they haven't done anything. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I just don't buy that. I don't know. But... And, and it's not like I'm not coming at it from like, oh, but Peter is, you know, toxic masculinity. I'm I'm coming at it from like, I feel like Laura Jean would have wanted to, too. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's like yeah. very clearly like very into him. Yeah. I did think it was funny when her and um, Chris were talking about it and Chris was talking about it like I of. Uh, 39 year old like wino that was like spread him on the table with some sauce it was very like samantha (laughs) from sex in the city which i thought was kind of fun (laughs) oh my gosh yeah i i would love to believe that chris is actually a virgin and that she's pulling like a for a good time call Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she's just like very sexual but hasn't actually done anything and Mm -hmm. is all talk uh, maybe I, she's she's gonna go to costa rica and i believe she'll she'll live her life the way that she wants and deserves i'm i'm very pro chris i like her a lot as a character love chris all right so uh meg do you have a recipe i have a couple to share all right so we can first talk about how they go to magnolia bakery in uh on their trip to new york and that bakery is well known she has a cupcake and they have trademarked their cupcake frosting swoop so they're very very well known for that but their most famous thing is probably their banana pudding so they have released the recipe we will share that and then also i did a little baking while i was watching the movie because i got a little bit bored so i made the um milk bar birthday cake 
very famous. Um, so Star- good. Yeah. Uh, started by. Have you had the the authentic one, Molly? I have had. I haven't had the birthday cake, but I have gone to Bilt Milk Bar in New York and had um, the like cake bite things, and they're so 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 good. And I also was at Target the other day, and Target is now selling milk bar cookies, like the compost cookies. Oh, really? Um, yeah, you can get them at Target in a box, which I think is pretty new and interesting. And I have also several times as gift for gifts for people um, ordered milk bar cake bite things um off their website and shipped them in dry ice to people for their birthday it's a solid gift so tell us about this beautiful and delicious cake meg which she posted on instagram that she had half of a cake left for (laughs) anyone who wanted it and i was like me it's mine (laughs) and it was very very good yes it's very extravagant christina tosi has sort of like created this style of cake that's become very popular it's very visually appealing because she bakes off the cake in on a sheet pan and then she punches out the layers with a cake ring so that you get the um like cross section of the cake that you can see and it just looks very tasty that way so it's funfetti cake with this cream cheese frosting and you make these cookie crumbles that are also funfetti and you put that in the layers of frosting between the layers of cake so you get a little crunch it is so good and yeah that's a it's a new york started in new york now it's all over and you can obviously order or their products to be shipped anywhere but very famous it was fantastic it sounds so good i love funfetti is my favorite and i'm never gonna reach an age where i grow out of funfetti cake with like white icing and sprinkles being my favorite it's my wedding so... cake was funfetti <gasps> that's amazing I love that <laughs> it's just so good you know I, I just fucking love cake mm, like that's, that's just my favorite thing and it's so like visually appealing to have all the little colors in there but like mm-hmm. they kind of dissolve the sprinkles so it's like it doesn't there's not a weird textural thing mm-hmm. with it it's just pleasing mm-hmm. so good <laughs> just little pops of color Molly, do you have a hobby to bring to the table today or a recommendation, a watch alike, read alike? Um, I think something that's maybe, maybe we'll scratch a little bit of the itch if you're like looking for fun rom-com stuff that I watched recently and um, maybe a little bit more grown-up version if you're somebody who likes the parents plot lines here more <laughs> than Laura and Peter. Um, Love Life on HBO with Anna Kendrick. I watched recently and, um, it follows, um, Anna Kendrick's character. She's living in New York over like maybe, I don't know, eight or so years or something. And each episode kind of focuses on like one relationship she has while she's like in her twenties and thirties living in New York. And, um, it's a really cute, like cozy, fun show. And if you're stuck in quarantine or in an ice storm or whatever over a weekend, it's worth a watch. So (laughs) I guess I'll recommend that and go buy milk bar cookies at Target. Definitely put that one on the queue. It's fun. So uh, for my tarot reading, I was thinking um, I have these bananagrams tiles here. (laughs) And lately I've been experimenting with letter divination. I know you guys think that Peter and Laura Jean either aren't together or shouldn't be together in the future. (laughs) But I kind of want to jump off of their song about you know five years I'm still yours and 10 years I'm still yours and pull cards for where they are five ten fifteen years and then we can also do some letter tiles and 
see if we can get some more insight. Let me know if you want me to bust out the Golden Girls tarot again. <laughs> Please do. We can throw some supplementary cards in there. Okay. See what they're up to in retirement. Maybe. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Gotta put the energy into the cards. So I'm using the Modern Witch Tarot deck again, which again is like really thick, glossy card stock. Very beautiful, but also nearly impossible to shuffle. Do you have a favorite deck? Do I have a favorite deck? Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I think it's the Golden Thread Tarot. Yeah, I covet that one. I feel like I'm going to put some weird juju on this these cards, though, because I'm not rooting for them. <laughs> we'll just see what comes up okay i'm rooting for their individual successes okay just not not maybe not necessarily together but we'll i don't know we'll see what the cards say maybe i'll change my mind while shuffling the two of cups jumped out so this is basically telling you you're wrong meg (laughs) (laughs) they're gonna be together forever okay so i'm gonna shuffle a little more and then i'll have molly pick a pile all right molly left middle or right i'll go right okay so let's see where are peter and laura jean in five years oh ten of cups so i think five years i think they're going to have a wedding straight out of college oh interesting is is this going to be a good idea or not where are they in seven years so two years married king of cups okay that seems to bode well. Um, sort of like a leadership vibe that maybe makes me think. Hmm. I'm going to pull another card for that. Okay. The world. We're getting overwhelmingly positive cards. <laughs> Meg, pull a card. I just want, I want to see something. <laughs> Knight of Swords. Knight of Swords. Okay. That could be a lot of action and movement in their career or geographic movement since they are in on different coasts okay let's see so ten of cups feels like family feels like wedding happiness them finally living in the same city probably king of cups feels very romantic and very mature so maybe their relationship has matured a lot and the world i think that it's coming full circle and within five to seven years what they have been working toward in their relationship comes to fruition. So let's assume that that is them married. Let's keep those out and shuffle again. Let's see where they are 10 years from the events of the movie. Are they still happy? Meg, pick a pile. Mm, Left. Okay. Okay. Oh, five of wands. Okay, so... There's some conflict. There's some competition. Could be career. Could be Laura Jean is taking way too much time writing. And he's busy at... What the, what the fuck is Peter doing for a job? Do we know? Do we have any... He's going to go, go pro at lacrosse, baby. That's, 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 that's the <laughs> dream. the Olympics for lacrosse. <laughs> oh, God. I could see him doing some weird, like, finance, whatever, something just kind of like boring (laughs) yeah but like we probably make some money okay maybe become a finance bro oh the tower okay um yes someone's gonna (laughs) cheat (laughs) it's peter obviously it would be peter (laughs) okay um but it's all gonna work out because they got the sun Mm. maybe um 
one of them gets laid off. Maybe uh, there's a natural disaster since we are seeing that the climate is actively trying to kill us. <laughs> so maybe in 10 years, they live in a southern state and terrible things are happening because of neglect. That's so much darker than just like run-of-the-mill infidelity. I'm just trying to like- swallowed by the ocean. Imagine what else it could be. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to shuffle again, leaving those out. Meg, do you want to pull a card? Sure. You know, Chris I- did say that they were in the darkest timeline, so. That's true. <laughs> I think she's right. <laughs> you know, I think I'm going to switch to the letter tiles to figure out, like, what is this tower about? Justice. <laughs> okay. Um, Which is Betty White in a pink cape and a tiara holding um, the scales of justice and a little dagger. Okay. I love that. <laughs> so that makes me think that the tower has to do with some truth coming out or some legal issue um let's see he's embezzling fraud in his finance bro job that that checks out to me (laughs) okay so um molly pick a number of tiles seven seven so how you can do this is you can um start forming words or use the initials like to think of someone's name so we have an m a t an e an o an I, a D, and another I. In my Die. fantasy, it just spelled out John Ambrose. <laughs> <laughs> Tom. Riddle. Tom, die, I. I die, Tom. Okay. Um, I also would have liked if it would have spelled out just like dump him all of the Britney Spears <laughs> t-shirt. I think that's my dream scenario. <laughs> oh. Let's see. Dim. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, help me out. T up to die. I mind. Is the word mind in there? My. Let's see. We've got mid, midlife crisis. Seems a little early for that. Uh, It's never too early. (laughs) Never too early. Could get id. Someone has a crisis of the id. Perhaps. Or ID. Peter is stealing people's identity amidst (laughs) his embezzling scandal. Ponzi scheme. Let's pull some more. Meg, (laughs) pick a number. (laughs) Uh, let's go with eight. Okay. Right now, what I have spells toe mid. So let's see. We've got a D. we got an R. We've got an X. Maybe ex-boyfriend. Maybe John Ambrose McLaren. Oh, we have a J. Mm-hmm. We have maybe he's an a doctor now. A. And we obviously had an m so we've got john ambrose mclaren <laughs> dr john ambrose mclaren dr jam and the x is for lacrosse to show the <laughs> vast difference between where john ambrose will be and what peter has invested his time into 
Okay, so there's some kind of big fallout with Peter's job, and it causes conditions between them to ice over (laughs) and allows for Laura Jean's ex Dr. (laughs) Jam (laughs) to come in. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to put these all back in the pile and shuffle again. So what happens after this tower moment with Peter embezzling and Dr. Jan, John Ambrose McLaren coming back and maybe sweeping Laura Jean off her feet. So I'm going to pick the middle pile. Okay, Knight of Wands. Maybe Peter makes a big romantic gesture, shows that he's so passionate about her. Um, Nine of Wands, she's like, oh, I don't know. I've kind of been burned by you before. Like, we almost lost our house because of your embezzling scheme. <laughs> uh, I love that we fully accepted that as the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I really like it. Eight of Wands, like, I could just, like, get out of Dodge and, like, go stay in john's penthouse yeah you could (laughs) um she two of pentacles she's juggling two options so what's she gonna do what is she going to do in uh so let's look at them 15 years from the events of the movie and then meg maybe you could pull a card too okay page of swords page of swords that could be the beginning of a conflict it could be new information. Maybe Peter gets acquitted of the embezzling and he was telling the truth all along. He'd been set up. <laughs> Maybe he'd been set up. Likely story. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> I like how I'm just fully out on Peter now. <laughs> the moon. Uh, so secrets coming to the surface. Uh, Wheel of Fortune. Their luck turning around. I think we pulled that one earlier talking about them the emperor that feels like family and structure and a patriarch kind of thing Mm -hmm. so i don't know i think she's gonna take them back meg i do too five of pentacles (laughs) reverse so they had a bad financial time but it's getting better yeah so i think she takes him back i think she takes him back are they gonna be happy uh molly pick a pile center okay it's going to take some work and it's going to be frustrating, but I think that they're going to be, so that was the seven of pentacles, but six of swords. I think they're going to be able to leave their sorrows behind. Lara Jean is going to make a thoughtful decision with this queen of swords. She's going to be generous to Peter, even though he probably doesn't <laughs> deserve it with the six of pentacles. She's going to follow her heart with this queen of cups and Ace of Wands, they're going to have a passionate new beginning. This is the thumbs up card of the tarot. So they're going to be just fine. They're going to have some rough times, you know, but if anyone, they're not like other couples. They're I keep Laura forgetting Jean that. and Peter. <laughs> I keep forgetting that that's why <laughs> this is all going to be okay. They're not like the others. So I accept it. I accept that she can forgive his embezzling and his lax bro tendencies. And if that's what Laura Jean really, truly wants, I support her. (laughs) 
So new beginnings, do we think that's them having a kid together? I don't think necessarily, but they're definitely going to have a kid at some point. I feel like they have a kid before the embezzling. Hmm. That's what I was picturing because she, that was very, in her like um, fantasy of where she imagined them getting married and having a kid, it was like right away it seemed like she was ready for babies with Peter Kaminsky. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. All right. Uh, Any last things we want to talk about? I think we beat this dead horse. Yeah, (laughs) we did. It it is dead. (laughs) Okay. One very quick fashion note that no one has to respond to. I just need to say that I really loved and appreciated Kitty's Tux. (laughs) Oh, I loved Kitty's Tux. (laughs) And I'm ready for like, I'd like to do a spinoff show about her like 15 years down the road when she's living in New York and like has a matchmaking business and is like a love guru with a podcast. We That's love, what I, I love that. That's what I need I'll- next from the to all the boys like franchise. <laughs> okay. I did want to ask one last question. I'm sorry. I know you said that <laughs> we beat the horse, but what kind of romance writer is Laura Jean going to be? Because now that she's in high school, she clearly thinks she's going to be like a young adult writer, <laughs> but what what does the adult Laura Jean, who has been to NYU and become a woman of the world, what what does she write? I think she still writes young adult because that seems to be like the formative time of her life and she romanticized it so much. I think that she's going to go back to that world whenever she can. Yeah, that makes sense to me. In the very first movie, I think it opens with her kind of fantasizing about being a corseted like lady out in the field. And she's reading Pride and Prejudice in this one. So maybe she does some like period pieces. Hmm. She could do some. Let Laura Jean go straight the next season of Bridgerton. (laughs) She could. It could be some kind of um, mashup of old and contemporary historical and contemporary like a the apple emily dickinson series Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she could write something like that that's like surrealist sort of weirdly modern historical ya Mm -hmm. i could see that i could see that all right you can find us on instagram at makeout already pod you can find us on twitter at makeout underscore already uh you can Leave us a five-star review on Apple so that people can find the podcast. Anything else, Meg? They can slide into our DMs with any kind of recommendations, suggestions, just fan notes. Mm-hmm. Always appreciated. Uh, and they can email us at our email address that I can never remember. It is makeoutalready at gmail.com. That there was the go. thing that I was forgetting. All right. <laughs> Thanks again for being on Molly and Molly's dog, Hal. (laughs) Yes. Me and Hal are big um, Netflix teen rom-com fans. So I appreciate you having me back. And anytime you need to talk about other teens really struggling with who to date or not to date, (laughs) just let me know. (laughs) The next time we want to feel very elderly. Yes. I'm, I'm here for that. All right. And until next time, air kisses. Mwah. Yay! Yay. <laughs>